chapter 7 and verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak this, I speak not this to condemn you. For I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. Verse 4. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'd like to work for a little while on getting your happy on. No matter what. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. When you read the Bible it's, and you get on a particular verse, it's been said you should read a few above it and a few below it to try to get a little setting as to what is being dealt with. Particularly in First and Second Corinthians, it is wise because not just a few verses above and below, but also First Corinthians, the book before, and Second Corinthians, the book following. As you know, I trust that when you come out of the Old Testament and Malachi, and in your mind go through 400 years of silence and come to Matthew and what he was inspired to write, how that the people were sitting in darkness, the land and the people. It was a great darkness. But that great light, I might say greater light sprung up. The greatest light sprung up. And people were given hope in their time of tribulation. Tribulation is hard times. It's adversity. It's things coming against you. Things bringing difficulties your way. And that taking place, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And he walked among them. And he taught them. And he helped them. And he encouraged them. People just like you. And he, uh, in helping them and encouraging them, and helping them each and every day. The sick were healed, and the blind eyes were able to see. Even the dead were raised. Marvelous things that took place until one man got off of his seat and from behind his high and lifted up desk, and he set aside his judicial robes. And he put on his walking coat. Maybe he grabbed his staff. He headed down the road. And he came to Jesus. That's a good thing to do. And when he got there, he said, We know. He wanted to acknowledge. He wanted to cough it up. We know 
that thou art a teacher come from God. You're not just a, one of the prophets, even though the prophets of Israel were great, that God raised them up and God sent them. We have history book, book full of it from Genesis through Malachi. And he said, but nonetheless, he said, you're not, you're not just one of them. That's already been established as Jesus was with his disciples one day. And he asked them, whom do men say that I am? And they said, well, you're one of the prophets risen up, or John the baptizer risen up, or one of the old prophets risen up. Until Jesus said, well, who do you say that? I've been training you, I've been teaching you. You've followed me, you've observed me. Who do you say that I am? And that's when the, the difference took place. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through Peter and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus looked at him, recognizing at that moment, recognizing that what you've just spoken did not come from flesh and blood. He acknowledged it. He confirmed it. He said, you got that from the Spirit, my Father. The Father of this flesh. And so it was that when this judge showed up, we know, we know you're not just brand X. You're not an also ran. You're not just another one. We know that. No man could do the things that you're doing except God be with him. To recognize, to learn, to recognize what is God and what is not. It's a great accomplishment. It's a great blessing. It's a great giving to somebody impartation to you that you would have some discernment about you. That you would be able to recognize and discern between good and evil. Between right and wrong. Between righteous and unrighteous. Between bitter and sweet. You know? I um, thought I was buying a nectarine the other day. And uh, when I got home and bit into it, it was a it was a, a plum, and it wasn't what we call a sweet plum either. And in days past, I've greatly enjoyed sour plums, but of late, not. And I was looking forward to biting into a very sweet, mild nectarine, maybe even one that was organically raised. And uh, unfortunately, I got a, quite a shock. It was pretty tart, rather bitter, and um, definitely sent all my little taste buds and lots of other things connected, tingling. All kinds of bells and whistles were going off right then. And, uh, but the Lord's word, he talked about 
being able to discern the difference between the bitter and the sweet. Pretty sad to realize that we can be so dull. And the Bible talks once again in Hebrews about people that were dull of hearing. When they ought to be teachers, they're dull of hearing. And we don't want to be so dull that we can't taste the difference. After all, it's written to taste and see that the Lord, He is good. For you to get your five senses involved, more importantly, your spiritual senses involved, and that you recognize. I was preaching here one night, and a brother, a preacher, had walked in a little bit late. And it was rocking and rolling, friend. And when he walked in, he just exclaimed out loud. And he got me later after church, and he said, man, he said, when I walked in, he said, that was the Holy Ghost. It's good to be able to discern. It's good to know the difference. And um, he said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We're not, I'm not guessing here. I'm not, what's that long word, ambivalent. Or I'm not between two opinions or not sure which is right. And I'm kind of in a tug of war here. And I'm unsure. Isn't it written also in the Bible? As he said to them, how long will you halt between two decisions? How long are you going to be inactive, shall we say? Wasting time. Life is going by you. You could wind up like one individual who was said of him, he had gray hair and he knew it not. Time was going by getting older, step getting a little slower, different things are happening as it's written in the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you read it closely, you could realize that there's a tremendous parallel there of how that brings about old age and how the slowness of the step and the different things that are described that take place as the sands go through the hourglass, as time goes by, and age begins to creep up. Different things are different. There's many a man and woman now. There was a great athlete, for an example. I don't know. Might have been the 30s. Most everybody's heard of, oh, got your attention? Wake you up? Good. Tarzan, right? Well, in the early days, the actor that was the first one to be Tarzan, his name was Johnny Weissmuller. And Johnny Weissmuller was an Olympian. He was a swimmer. And, uh, He had the Olympic times. 
he was the guy. And from there, you know, he went on to become Tarzan and all that. And, of course, they always put parts in there where he would swim. Well, Johnny Meisweller, in his time, was phenomenal. But time went on. And you know, today, in 2014, Johnny Weissmuller's times that he accomplished and won the Olympics with, he couldn't make the women's team today. Time goes on. The ravages of time take away from us, and nobody can stop time. And uh, it's been said, time marches on, right? And uh, I'm saying to you that there's many, an individual, I just use a generic term, an athlete, that has awakened, and at the level that they have performed at, now they find that they're a step slow. You know, they're steps slow. They can't keep up anymore. It's happened to the best of them. And I'm saying to you that this judge, he realized something. And they'd been talking. Thank God for people that stand around and talk about Jesus Christ and are excited about the things that count. And their talk isn't carnal. And they're not building plans and spending money on things that are of no value. You know, there are people that never escape the vicious cycle. You might read about Elijah and Elisha and how that Elijah was the, the mentor. And Elijah was the mentor, and Elisha was the trainee. And how that he was following him. And they were in a place called Gilgal. And that name literally meant it was a place of revolvement, just going through the same old thing over and over and over again. And they were in need of a bust out. They were in need of breaking that cycle. Same old, same old. And so the prophet, the trainer, was able to, to do that and took him where he needed to go. He took him to the house of God. And from the house of God, he, he took him to repentance, a place called Jericho, where the walls fall down. You have a bust out. You get outside of those confinements and those chains of this life and spirits and darkness. You get freedom. You get liberty. Oh, yeah. And then he took them to baptism. Took them to, the, to Jordan. It's where we, the river of Jordan, baptized people. And each place he took them to, it was showing you how to be saved. The born-again experience. Took him to that place where he could have the fire fall from heaven, the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
and then how he could take what he got and go and use it for what God gave it to him for. I don't want to be buying things I don't need. With money that I don't have to impress people that I don't know. I don't want to waste what God has given to us. We know that in itself is a tremendous indictment because it means you're not in ignorance anymore. You're not lacking in knowledge. You won't be able. What is it? How's it written in Romans? Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. You're inexcusable. There's no excuse. And here's a judge that sat high and lifted up and heard case after case, the highest court of the land. And they heard cases. and He heard excuse after excuse after excuse. And he got to realizing, I don't have an excuse myself. I'm inexcusable because I know, I know that thou are a teacher come from the Spirit. You're not just somebody that's pulling, yanking everybody's chain. You're not putting on a scam as I read to you this morning. He said, having therefore these promises, you know what? You've got in the Word of God. They're very specific and particular promises. And I would tell you that the greatest of these promises is that you, after you're baptized in Jesus' name, you've repented of your sins and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you have the promise to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of eternal life. There are many other promises, but I'd tell you that one definitely is top-notch. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, he said, do something. You're in, you're in the New Testament. You've come through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then that's brought you out of the New Testament, Old Testament completely, and brings you to a transition into the New Testament, Book of Acts, where the church begins. The outpouring of His Spirit for the first time for whosoever will. Anybody could come. And they did. 17 plus nations. The whole known world at that time. Christopher Columbus hadn't pulled up anchor yet. He hasn't, he hasn't yet proved out what he believed. That the world was round. They still thought it was flat. Most of them. There was that school of thought. And can you imagine the ridicule that he faced? Even religion was against him. That he was an infidel and a blasphemer and doing all kinds of things wrong. To think that the world was round. Everybody knows. Oh, everybody knows. Pull in the consensus. Everybody's saying. 
everybody knows that the world is flat and you're going to sail right off the end. Well, he didn't. And it isn't. And he proved it. And how much opposition was there to this judge that decided, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. And one day, I will stand before the judge of judges. And I will have no excuse. What am I going to say? I only got to go to a hundred services. I only got to hear hundreds of hours of preaching and the word of God. What am I going to say? That I was too busy? Too preoccupied? Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. So he said, and he came and he coughed it up. That's why you have Romans to Revelation now. Because people came. And people got born again. And they became a part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ bounced out of that upper room. Friend, they got their happy on. When they came into that upper room, they were dragging a little bit. It had been a little bit of a walk. It was hot, dusty. They were thirsty. And Jesus had been crucified, but now something was beginning to build. And they were glorying in tribulation. They weren't going to let it get them down. There's always going to be some hard times. There's always going to be some adversity because there's always going to be a devil on this earth. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm definitely thinking we're all getting ready for the new heaven and the new earth because on that one there ain't going to be no devil. Now, wonderful. All right. And so we come through that book of Acts and we get to Romans, which is a letter, a message, an epistle, and from there on through Revelation, sent to the churches, the body of Christ, the local congregations. That's what that means. And, uh, Trying to tell them now that you're saved, because you've repented, because you've been baptized in Jesus' name, because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that you're saved, here's how, Romans Revelation, here's how to stay saved. One thing, you want to learn how to be exceeding joyful in tribulation. You want to learn how to square your shoulders and throw your head back and Praise God. Worship God. And not, as he said in one place, forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Sister Lewis had texted me a while back and in the text she was quoting what something, I guess, it came across a posting social media and said that Somebody said they would give ten reasons why we shouldn't have a Sunday night service. And I immediately shot back and I said, get that for me, print it out, and I'll give you ten reasons why we should have service on Sunday nights. Oh yeah. We're going we're gonna to be happy 
when the enemy comes against us. We're going to, and that takes some effort. It takes some effectual, fervent prayer. It takes some digging into the book. It takes consistency. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, but coming to church consistently. Persevering. Pressing forward. Pressing toward the mark. The bullseye. We want to make it. We want to be about His business. We want to do His will. We don't want to veer off to the side. We don't want to go backwards. We don't want to lose enthusiasm. You know, enthusiasm means God in you. We don't want to lose enthusiasm. We want to gain enthusiasm. We want to be clad. Or in other words, we want to be cloaked and put on with the coat of zeal. We want to be zealous for the Lord our God. Whatsoever there is to do, we want to do it with might, with all our might. Because we, we, we want to love God. And how are we supposed to love Him? With all of our heart. All of our heart. All of our soul, our life. All of our mind, our thoughts, and our intellect. And all of our strength. That's how we want to love God. Don't take effort. This man made an effort. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. Because there's things happening that we see out there. And there's things happening connected with you that we see taking place. And we're comparing and weighing out here. And we realize, we realize, you've come from God. What you're bringing to us is not just religion, it's salvation. That which we read about, that which we were foretold about, our fathers, talking about prophets of the Old Testament, they told us about these. Not talking about the vain conversation or lifestyle of our families or our fathers. Hey, man, what's happening, man? That's not going to save you. Beyonce shaking her booty all over the stage ain't going to save you. Hello. Her or anybody else. Any name. Madonna. Whoever. Madonna getting so old, she's probably not shaking much of nothing. Because time. Time will pass you right on by. It'll leave you in the dust. It'll leave you where you're nothing but dust. Because you came from dust and you're going back to dust. And by the time they roll you in here, you're long gone. You hear me? All we're left with is a, a parchment stretched over some bones. And eventually it'll disintegrate into dust. But you know what? We know him who can speak to the dust and who can reconstruct it. Who originally put the atoms and the molecules and the DNA together 
We know him. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. I read again this morning in this holy book, Moses telling them again and again. And he said, He's the Lord your God, and there's none other beside him. There is no other. There is no other. I heard a song this morning. I don't know if it was going to the radio station or coming back or where, but and I've heard it before. And whoever sings it, they the song is something about knowing his name and in that day there'll be no other name. And I want to scream at the guy. What's the name? You never say it in the song. Which probably would lead me to believe you're not baptized in his name. You're right. That name's the only name that's going to matter. And you better be baptized in that name. You hear me? You better be baptized in that name. Because Jesus told that judge, Jesus didn't mince words. Jesus didn't swell up with pride. That I'm, I'm a teacher. I come from God. I can walk on water. I can open the blind eyes. He didn't react that way at all. He was right about it, friend. He was dead on, focused. He said, truly, truly, you must be born again. Of all the things that the eternal God who has robed himself in flesh and is before this man and this man is talking to him of all the things he could have said like when as a child in the temple when his mother and his earthly supposed father Joseph sought him out many days sorrowing because they lost him they didn't know where he was they got they got caught up in the crowd in the festivities they got pushed along with the thronging multitude until they got to count noses. And they said, hold it. We're missing one. We're missing one. Who's not here? Jesus. Jesus isn't here. We don't have Jesus. Oh, God. Turn around. We've got to go back. Where is he? He's right where we left him at. That's where he's at. And let's go figure out where we left him at. Don't forsake. Don't forsake. Don't forsake. Don't forsake. Oh. No, sir. Don't forsake. Don't let hard times and adversities and difficulties and problems don't let them cause you to let go of him, to let lose sight of him, to go running off somewhere and figure that the answer is to quit and to stop being involved with the work of God. 
Don't do that. You'll wind up on the deathbed of regrets. And you'll regret that you ever lost him. And remember, you'll have to face that day because you'll be without excuse. Because you know. You know. You've sat here service after service, week in and week out. Many, many times, multiple services, week in and week out. You've heard it preached. You've had that inspiration of God, that anointing of God, that unction of God. And you've had it here a little and there a little, line upon line. You've had it broken down. You know. They don't know what it means to break it on down. They don't know what that means. We know how to break it down. We break the bread of life. We put it into words and terms that you can understand. Yes, sir. And we're breaking down what matters and what counts. Not interested in all the street lingo. Oh, a phrase or two. I'll try to use it to, again, help you identify. I want to help you to get you happy on I remember going to, I was at Brother Colbert's. And I'd pulled up and I was talking to him. I can't remember what the subject was. But one of his, I want to say sons, but it was probably a great, great, great grandson, probably, came walking up. And he's come walking up and all of a sudden I heard him say, I'm going inside to get my eat on. <laughs> and, uh, well, I want you to come to church and get your happy on. In spite of difficulties. Because everybody's got some difficulties. Because we're living in this life. We're living on this earth. We're wrestling. I hope you're wrestling. I hope you're involved. I hope you're Serving God and trying to put whatsoever you put your hand to, you do it with your might. I hope you're attempting to love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope that you're realizing that you can be exceeding joyful. You can tell yourself, I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to let the enemy put his thumb down on me and depress me and suppress me and oppress me. But I'm going to rise up and be exceeding joyful in tribulation. I'm going to show the enemy you just don't have enough to offset what I've got. Remember, remember, he thought, he thought he had Jesus on that cross. After whipping him and beating him, crown of thorns, spitting on him, every kind of thing, he thought he had him. Got him trudging up the hill with a cross. His innards are hanging out. And gets up the Hill, Golgotha. They lay that cross down and they 
strip him naked, and they lay him on it. And they begin to nail the, the nails and his the spikes into his hands or the part of his hand, probably somewhere between the end of his hand and the beginning of his top part of his wrist. Because they, you know, they didn't want it to tear the flesh. Wanted to make sure it stayed up there. And they put his feet together and they drove the stake. They were very precise in what they did. And they stood that cross up. Dropped down in that hole. Tremendous thud. Tremendous jarring. In the midst of all of that, he's uttering the words, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. But I'm going to tell you what, it's going to go worse for those who know what they're doing. That's what your Bible teaches. It's better not to have known and to know the way of truth, to have experienced, to have tasted of the Lord and of the world to come and of the power of the Holy Ghost. It'd been better to never have known and to know it and turn from it. Like a sow, it was washed. It goes back to its wallowing in the mire. Or like a dog that returns to its vomit. Oh, brother. And that's what happens to people when they forsake and when they leave. They just go back to the slop of the world. They go back to the old thinking. Trouble is, the line where they came in the church, in going back, they go further past that line. They go into deeper darkness. And they become more entangled in the affairs of this life than they were at the beginning. And consequently, their last state or condition is worse than they were than the condition they were in when they first came to this truth. And they begin to know him. You don't want to leave truth. You don't want to turn your back on truth. You don't want to hang out with the wrong crowd. That'll turn your heart away from the things of God. I don't care how great you think you might be. I read in the newspaper years ago, and they claimed that Michael Jordan was the greatest to ever play basketball professionally. That's what they claim. But you know, time betrayed him. And I read about a little young man that was in the stands. Michael Jordan was bringing the ball down court. And the kid yelled out, show me some game! Whereupon Michael Jordan shot an air ball. I heard a preacher say one time, he preached many, many, many years and been used tremendously of God. But age, like 
the Apostle Paul, he referred to himself as Paul the Aged. Age had caught up. And I heard that preacher say, it don't work like it used to. Time waits for nobody. Sands of the grain of sand are going through the hourglass. It's moving on. Prophecies being fulfilled. And when Jesus died on that cross, and when he, as the scripture said, gave up the spirit, gave up the ghost, gave up the spirit, in his case, the Holy Spirit, to the fullness, withdrew from that body. And all that was left was a carcass. But he was not suffered to see corruption. When they prepared him, the women, when they prepared him for his burial, the spirit, three days later, as he said, would re-enter that body and he would rise again from the dead. And he did. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. I want you to know. Then and now and to come, the devil's rejoicing and party was, is, and will be very short-lived. His moment of rejoicing, very short-lived. But to us that know, it will be world without end. So, might as well go and get you happy on now. Might as well start training to leap for joy when your name is cast out and when you're surrounded by tribulation and when hard times are upon you, difficulties. Don't run away from the church. That's the worst thing you can do. You want to run to the church. And you want to run to it in the name that's above every name. Like David coming right at Goliath. Yeah. You know David knew in his flesh I can't stand up to that guy. In my flesh I can't do it. He's three and four times taller than me. And wait. And I, I, I ain't got a chance. But you and I know that with him all things are possible. And David, being a prophet, had an insight. And all the good teaching. And David said, you come to me with all your pride and all of your arrogance and all of your natural intelligence. You come to me with stout words, insults, and ridicules, and intimidations. A big, long list of things that you come to me. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I got something you don't have. I got something that puts you on the run. I got something that's going to take you down. I got something that's greater than anything you'll ever inspire men or women to invent 
I've got something stronger and more powerful than any hydrogen bomb or atomic bomb or any weapon. I've got it. I've got the name of the Lord. I've got the knowledge of who he is. And you've read the rest of the story. How David, by the slinging and the launching of one smooth stone, he had more, but he only read where he needed one. Because he launched that one correctly. He launched it in the name of the Lord. So whatsoever you do, in word or deed, the scripture said, you do it in the name of the Lord. And you're guaranteed victory, no matter what it looks like, to your natural eye. In your heart, you know, truly, truly, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. And, uh, and put in it positively, then you can see and enter the kingdom of God. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. There's no greater message that I can give to you. Because the apostle said in his letter, his epistle, to people that did that, to people that were baptized in Jesus' name, and that were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, receive us. We have wronged. We have not wronged you. We haven't corrupted you. We're not bringing you anything that's going to cause you harm and cause you to go the wrong way and do the wrong thing or corrupt you. He said, and we have not defrauded you. We're not stealing from you. He said, and I'm not telling you this to condemn you. He said, I, I want you to know we've, again, I want you to know that you're in our hearts to die and to live with you. You mean everything to us. He said, great is my boldness, my plainness, my confidence of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I'm so a word you could identify with there. I'm so proud of you. So thankful for you. He said, I'm filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation because of God and because of you in the church. He said, I can lift up my head in hard times. Everybody said, praise the Lord. We can shake our fist in the face of the enemy. Amen. Say, so you may rejoice right now, enemy, but you better know that your rejoicing is short-lived. You better know that your, your time, and it's written, even he knows it. The devil knows that his, his has but a short time I don't know about you, but for me, three days goes by very quickly. You realize that we're in the, we just had a, the longest day yesterday, the summer solstice, the 21st of June, first day of summer.
So we're starting summer, and from now on, every day is heading downhill. The days will start getting shorter. Yesterday was the longest. So now by degrees, there'll be less daylight until they throw the clocks back and you lose an hour of sleep in October. Okay, is that what it is? Fall back, right? Yeah. So understand that I'm saying to you that before you know it, 2014 will be gone and we'll be entering into New Year's 2015. Another year will have gone by. It's moving quickly. Quickly. And one place in the book of Jeremiah, so unique, it said that the harvest cried out and said, the harvest is past. Summer has ended. And we are not yet saved. If you're not saved, it's not because you don't know. You have no excuse. You have been told over and over and over again. Surely, it's not like Jesus said, what's wrong? Don't you understand my speech? Don't you understand that I, I want you to get your happy on? There's no greater joy than to receive the, the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is defined as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yes. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear God. This is, this is our joy. I couldn't imagine life without this. And I know what that's like because I, I came out of that. I wasn't always a preacher. Some of you young people will be able to say you were born in the church. Little, little Olivia back there. If she'll stay with it, they'll raise her up in the church. She'll be able to say one day, I was born in the church and I was born again into the church. Some of you can say that. I can't. I wasn't born in the church. I was ignorant, lost, undone. But one day, that grace of God appeared and God pulled me out of the fire. And I'm able to join with them that say, I know in whom I believe. I know that you are God. I know that there is none other but thee, Jesus Christ. Amen. I know that. Amen. Thank you. Let's worship. Take a moment. Lift your heart with your hands. If you're here this morning, you don't yet have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then you pray for that right now. Right where you're at. If you're not yet baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, then you let me know and we'll prepare you for water baptism in Jesus' name. And God will forgive you of all of your sins and He'll remember them no more. Isn't that wonderful? He'll remember them no more. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah.